0: We have the benefit of being reminded every single day through our phones if we want. We come to church every single week and we have someone who studied in Scripture to teach it to us. They didn't necessarily have that benefit. Paul would go to a church, teach them the ways of Jesus, teach them the truth, teach them doctrine, teach them the word of God, and then he would leave for a time. And he says, don't forget the practice of reminding one another of the message of Christ and let it dwell among you, which is one of the primary reasons every single week we gather and we, we teach And we teach about the message of Christ, and we let it dwell among us. You should leave here on Sunday mornings feeling at least somewhat like the message of Jesus has dwelt among us, and then we live from here and we practice from here. But then he goes on to say, he says, As you teach, admonish one another and admonish one another with all wisdom. One of the realities of the West, like we talked about, is that when we hear the statement of teach, we usually picture a university classroom, we picture a lecture hall, you picture kids sitting at their desks and the teacher instructing, right, from a chalkboard or something like that. And that's not necessarily a wrong way to understand teach, but teach here is actually more in the technical sense, the better way to see the word teach here is more like of a technical teacher, Right, like a like a tradesperson who's in the trades here. Is anybody in the trades here? And and like there's a little bit of theory involved, but there's a lot of there's a lot of technical work, and the teaching is not sit down and listen from a lecture all the time. But the teaching's on the go. It's in practice. It's, it's, if you can picture in your mind the baseball coach lining up a bunch of kids, having them just squish the bug constantly, and, and our baseball coach, he would come up to us and he would move our bodies like in weird ways he would say, it would feel unnatural, he, he'd kind of tip us over like this and go, this is where your weight should be. And so then you'd practice with your weight leaning back a little bit. And then he would say, this is where your hand position would be. And so sometimes you'd be out here and then he would pull it in for you and he'd push it in and he would instruct and he would admonish. What that means is it means to examine what you're doing and to point out the flaws in it, get technical with it, fix it, fine-tune it a little bit. And constantly doing that until our rhythm and our practice is well-tuned, is fine-tuned. And then the language here is uh, one another... This is something that we do together. This is not something that the expert um, in the room just does to the lecture hall of thousands of students taking notes. There's a, there's a place for that. But the actual teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom is it's 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 one another. It's technical. It's you and I. It's hey, like that thing you did there, that that needs to be fine-tuned. That response there, that needs to be fine-tuned. That... That reaction to that thing, that might need to be fine tuned. The the way that you're the way that you're praying, it's sincere, but but, but maybe you're thinking about it the wrong way, or here's a better way to think about it. it we've talked a lot about Sabbath at this church the last few months. Hey, Sabbath isn't just what we want to make it. It actually is something that, that, that is for us, and, and there's a theoretical basis for it. And then there's a practice in the church that, that it, that it quote-unquote, works, right? And, and so like, let's, let's try this. Let's do that. Let's try that a little bit more. It's a fine-tuning and then the wisdom there. We think of wisdom, again, we think of wisdom as an idea. We think of wisdom as like the Proverbs, like, here, give me this one-line statement, these quotes. Thank goodness we have Dean. Dean's an elder here. Every week, he gets these amazing quotes, and they're up on the screen. If you hear early enough, you'll watch them cycle through, and they're on our website, and you get an email with them, but those are great because they're, they're wise sayings, but, but the wisdom here is not wisdom like the wise saying. The wisdom here is actually practice, right? Difference between knowledge and wisdom is to, to know something is knowledge, and you're your head cognitively, but to, but to be wise is to live it, right? It's to follow it, it's to practice it. Like if you, you know someone who may know a lot of stuff, but their life is a mess, you wouldn't call them a wise person. you call them a smart person. But you can have someone who doesn't know a whole lot, but their life is beautiful. You go, that's wisdom right there. And so that's his encouragement to the church in Colossae, and I believe that that's his encouragement to us today as we talk a little bit more about practices and in community. When you picture teaching, it's not just think of teaching theory, but actually on the go. And that's where it gets messy. That's where it gets hard. That's where it gets complicated. That's where it gets personal. I can get up here and I can teach and go, hey, Jesus said we should talk to one another like this. Yeah, I should talk to one another like this. But the teaching here is the reality when you're in communities, you talk to someone the wrong way and someone corrects you. You say something that just, it, it didn't come across the right way. It may have hurt someone. It may have caused a pain point. You made a decision with your finances or with your time or your schedule or your parenting and someone goes, hey, like maybe we try this because this might be better. It's personal. It's active. It's living. And it's amongst one another. This is the way that Jesus designed communities, and this is what Paul's vision for communities was. At Southside, we want our discipleship to be like textbook teaching, but equally like technical skills training. Sunday morning space is a good space for the textbook teaching, but it's a terrible space for the Sunday morning training, because in our two- to four-minute interactions, you don't really get anywhere, and you can't really get too far. One of the language, um, the the statements that we've been using here at the church for a little while is is that our goal is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do what Jesus would do. We want to be with Jesus, and we to become like Jesus. We believe disciples of Jesus, people who call themselves a Christian, are the kind of people who want to become like Jesus. They They want to live like Jesus, and in order to do that, we believe that you need to spend time with Jesus, you need to be in the presence of God, listening to the voice of God through his th- word, through community, through prayer, through silence and solitude. And so that, those are things that we do. They're actions. They're practices. And that's the way to become like Jesus. And a lot of us in this room, we have a heart for mission. We have a heart to invite people into this family called the body of Christ, called church, and into relationship with their Lord, their Savior, their God, Jesus, Jesus. And we do that most effectively when we ourselves become like Jesus. And in order to become like Jesus, it requires practicing the presence of God, living in spaces and in times and routines and in rhythms where we're sitting and facing God and hearing from God and learning from God and being fine-tuned into the likeness of Christ, being formed into Christ. A lot of Christians today are using the language of spiritual formation, and that's the idea that you are, you're formed, you're not just taught what's true, but you're actually formed into Christ's likeness. And everything that I've been reading on spiritual formation starts with Scripture, because we've got to know what we're being formed into, and the teachings of Jesus, and the example of Jesus, and what Jesus was like, is all found in Scripture. It's the primary place we find it. But it actually happens best in the context of relationship. Spiritual formation only really happens in the context of relationship, both between you and God, but also between you and the body of Christ. We are primarily relational beings. And so it's actually relationships that form us, relationships that change us, and and, and we we are most impacted by the relationships that we are invited into and that we are surrounded by. Spiritual formation is a relational process where we're loved by God and others into becoming beings who love God and others. The more you chew on that, the deeper it'll get. Social scientists, they um, suggest that there's four categories of relationship that we all need. They say there's four kind of levels of relationship that we all need to have kind of a healthy, balanced relationship relational life. Uh, the first is intimate, right in the middle there. So in order to be a healthy person, you need to have at least one to five people who you deeply trust. Call them intimate because it's like those who know you the most. Hopefully if you're married, it's your spouse. If it's not your spouse, hopefully it becomes your spouse. They should be one of those people. Sometimes it's a really dear friend, maybe a longtime friend who you just have like total trust for. Like they know the good parts and the bad parts of you. They've seen kind of the the righteous side and they've seen the dark side and they love you regardless. We need a few of those and we only have capacity really for one to five of those. Not a lot of people can fill that role in our life but we need it. In the second category, there's friends, people we see regularly, people we choose to hang out with, people we eat regularly together with, people that we co-parent alongside. You know, think about the kind of person who you trust watching your kids. Think about the kind of person who, if they say, hey, I saw that, that thing that you did with the kids, and can I give you a little bit of insight and push back or or, or, or help you out here with this thing, like you actually would receive that from them. The level of relationship that that takes, that would be like the level of a friend. Somebody who who um, you, you, you practice loving reconciliation with. Someone who you're willing to do all the work that's necessary to be reconciled in your relationship when when you've been hurt. The kind of people who you, you're working towards a goal together, but not like a, a work goal, like... um. Like a, like, a, like a life goal together. Like you're in agreement, let's strive towards this thing. That's, that's the level of a friend. And, and they may not be as deep as the level of an intimate, uh, an intimate friend or, or partner. Um, but, they're, but, the, but the level of depth in your relationship is, that, is such that you can walk into their house and you can open up their fridge and eat their food. And, and the people you kind of gravitate towards, right? And we need those. But the social science says that we only really have room for 15 to 20 of those not about you, but I want room for, I don't know, 180 of those. Like, I really do. I don't know if you're like me. Some of you are like, I have room for one of those, <laughs> right? And you're like, okay, we're just different people. We're wired differently. I, f- I feel like I have room for uh, way more than 15, but that's the reality is I'm actually not giving enough to the few. I'm spreading myself out too thin. I can't, I can't possibly do that. I have, I have a limited capacity like all of us. So that's the next level. The third level is a peer, right? It's about the, the number size is about 150, they say. People you can kind of know their name, know what's up with their life, know what they're doing, you know, that you think about sometimes outside of being with them, that, that, that you know, you kind of remember details of their life. There's regular check-ins there. That's, that's like a peer, right? And we have, we have a lot of those. I feel like when we gather on Sundays, it's, it's a lot of peer relationships. Like, I know what's happening in your life and your life and your life, and I get to check in, and it's a short check-in, but I want to check in, but I can't go any deeper than that, but, but there's still this check-in process. There's still, we're friends, and, and I'll call you in a, in a time of need or, 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 or when we work together, we're comfortable together because we know each other, right? That's kind of the friend level. And then bigger than that, they call tribe, and that's 150 plus. That's, that's just people we associate with. We said, I'm a part of that community or, or I hang out with that kind of group of people or I'm a part of like, that's my tribe. If I was to say which people I'm alike or that I'm most alike, it's, it's that kind of people. And that could be a hundred people, it could be a thousand people, right? In the body of Christ in Milton, if you're a Christian, then you would call Christians in Milton your tribe. But it's a big tribe and you, you can't really have a relationship. You don't know all of them, but it's still your tribe and you associate with them. You identify with them in some kind of way. And like I said, we need all levels of relationship to be emotionally healthy. If you have a few really intimate relationships, some people are like, I just need two good friends and I'm good for life. You're not an emotionally healthy person in the sense that you probably aren't comfortable around other people and you can't, there's no one you identify with and there's not a broader community that you're a part of. And, and so there's probably something going on there, at least emotionally, that would make you feel like I just want the few. I, I, don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want any more than that. You're the kind of person who really likes your church to just stay as it is and the size it was. and You really like the small church. You're the small church people. I just want to see the same three people. I don't want to talk to anybody else. I don't want, to, I don't want things to grow. That's overwhelming to me, right? And I would say like, there might be something there to explore if that's your desire. And you also might be the person who's super active on social media and you've got 1,200 friends, but, but you, 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 you don't know how to talk to your spouse about like deep issues going on. You don't have anybody who you actually trust with like some of the dark stuff. There's no one in your life you'd actually confess to. You use your social media platform for confession. Super unhealthy place for confession. It's not, the, it's not designed for it. But it's because you're lacking friends and intimates. And they say that we need a balance of all those to be emotionally healthy. But here's what they say about spiritual formation. Our most, we are most formed not by the tribe or the peer. We're we're most formed by those who would be in the intimate level or the friend level. That's where the most transformation happens. That's that's what dictates who we become, what our identity is, and, and, and ultimately how we live. So you may be someone who calls yourself a Christian. You don't spend time with Christians, but you call yourself a Christian, but you're not being formed. You're being formed by the people you spend the most intimate time with. And so if your peers and your friends and your, and your intimates, if, they're, if they don't follow Jesus, you're not going to be formed into the likeness of Christ in the same way as if you have a community of people who are intimates or friends who are actually following Jesus. You can come listen to great sermons and you could take that home and try to put it into practice, but it's a lot harder for you. It's a lot harder for you when it's not your surrounding. I don't know if any of you guys grew up in a home where maybe one spouse followed Jesus and and the other parent or spouse doesn't follow Jesus, and you know how hard that is. It's like to really actually engage with life in Jesus because it's supposed to dictate all things. It, 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 it If it's if it's if it's true to you, then it then it then it, then it changes everything about your life, right? And when you don't have a partner who's there with you, it's a real challenge. It's really difficult. There's no one to bounce those ideas off. The person who knows you the best doesn't want to go there with you. So we need intimates and friends who are also committed to following Jesus. The hard truth is that if those who are closest to you and that you are most consistent in relationship with are not trying to become like Jesus then you will have a nearly impossible time being formed into Christ-likeness. It's not impossible. The statement's not about doctrine. The statement's not about faith. The statement's not about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a statement about the reality of the human experience. And it's why I believe that Paul's primary concern was to form gospel-centered, Jesus-focused communities of mutual discipleship and as these communities live into their identity they become like Jesus and build the kingdom of God Christianity is radically localized I love that about our faith is that Christianity is for everyone it is global it is for everyone but Christianity is also radically localized there's no Christian faith without the relationship with the body with one another in relationship God designed it that way. The Christian faith as we know it today started with small, tiny groups of friends meeting in homes who were serious about living out their identity as followers of Jesus. And what it became 2,000 years later and continues to become is the result of that. Not starting with a theory and teaching it to a crowd, starting with an individual or a few individuals and living it out like a family. Now the beauty of the Christian life is that it's always invitational. It's a broad door and it's open to all. It ends up leading to kind of a narrow path is the language that the New Testament uses. The goal of the Christian faith is actually quite specific. If you're new here with us, um, I just want to be very upfront and specific. Um, I and we are unapologetic about the goal for your life. There's a Sometimes you kind of like wrestle around it, you kind of dance around it, and you can be ambiguous. Um, I just think we need to be totally upfront about the goal for your life and the goal of this church for your life. Like if you spend time here on a regular basis, there's there's no qualms about this. The primary goal that we're going after is that you develop a relationship with Jesus, a living and active relationship with Jesus, where you are comfortable in the presence of God. Listening to the voice of God through scripture, through prayer, through community, through other practices, and where you are helped be formed into Christ likeness. That's all we got. And it's not all we got because it's not enough, it's all we got because that's the mandate, that's the call, that's the invitation. And I'm also aware that there's people in this room who, who aren't even there yet. You don't even know about that. You're wrestling with that. You're, you're just showing up and you're hearing and you're, and you're, and you're in for the lecture because it's interesting to you, but you're not, it's not like you would identify with a Christian or call yourself a disciple of Jesus or claim that you actually want to grow in your relationship with God. I want to say the door is widely open. It is broad and especially at this place, on Sunday mornings especially, this is a wide open door. There's no closed doors here. Everything's invitational and everyone's welcome to sit in and Listen. We all need seasons of sitting in and listening and processing ourselves, And I need seasons like that at times. But the invitation will constantly be why don't you you test this out a little bit? Why don't you try this? Why don't you step in? If you really want to know where the richness of the Christian life is, it is not here on Sunday listening to me talk for 30 minutes. As amazing as that is. Right? (laughs) It's not. And just ask around, right? They're laughing because they know me. They know it's not. Yeah. There's, not that, there's something here, but there's not that much. Worship is beautiful. I don't know about you, but it seems like every week we worship together, we get comfortable singing a little bit louder, and it feels like a holy space when we sing in this room together. It's beautiful, and it's forming, and that experience has an impact on my heart and my mind and my life, but, it, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, Right? It's, it's a small taste of the kingdom of God, but there's so much more in the Christian life. And it's not that there's so much more duty in the Christian life. It's that there's so much more life if you are formed into Christ-likeness by spending time with him. And there's a way towards that. Here at Southside, uh, one of the ways towards that, and the primary way we're just aiming at in this season with the resources and the people and the time that we have, is what we call communities at Southside. Communities at Southside are table fellowship groups that happen on a weekly basis. It's where we share meals together. It's where we bring families, not just adults wanting to learn adult curriculum and terms and theology, but where we actually gather as families. We eat together, we serve together. We dwell in the presence of God and, and, and we allow the truth of God to dwell in that space. It's not just a community gathering that's void of the truth of the gospel. But it is the place where we practice. It is the place where we work things out. It is the place where we wrestle with things, where we ask the questions, where we teach technically, where we admonish into wisdom. Communities at Southside are localized The goal is that they're close enough by to you and your home that it's not too much of a barrier to get there. The local church should be local as local can be. They're diverse in all aspects, in age, in financial diversity, cultural diversity. They're not designed to be for a certain type of person who looks a certain way. They're designed to be for those who are close by. In communities, we focus on practicing the way of Jesus, not just teaching and Bible study, even though the truth of the gospel must dwell in our midst. We focus on spiritual practices and disciplines, helping us to learn how to, and then admonishing one another in the process of learning how to pray and growing in prayer, learning how to Sabbath and growing in our Sabbath, learning how to sit and listen to the voice of God and growing In that, It's also the place where we review that practice and we review that process where we challenge one another, we ask how it went and then we give a recommendation on maybe something that we can do better the next week that might help more. And it's also a place where we're shepherded by qualified frontline pastors, if you will. We call them leaders, we call them facilitators, but they really are people who are pursuing Jesus just like you are and maybe are a few steps along that path And they're there to shepherd you. They're here to help. They're like the coach saying, squish the bug, keep turning. How about you turn your elbow in a little bit more, buddy? How about you keep your head up and not, you're dipping your head, right? They're led by shepherds who are here to help facilitate that. We're launching three of them this fall. Uh, We're starting them this week. We've got the Old Milton community that's going to be happening on Wednesday nights in the Old Milton area, which is this one. And uh, Old Milton doesn't mean for old people, Dean. <laughs> Dean and I talked about it. He didn't like the language of old people because he thought, I, my wife and I lead that community and we're not old, right? Yet? Yeah, that's right, yet. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's not for old folk. It's in Old Milton. Uh, we got the Southwest community led by the Godinos, who one of our elders this morning, Luis, he prayed for us this morning and, and him and his wife lead that community. And we have the Thursday community Launching. We've moved one off of Wednesday onto Thursday. Everyone can clap for that. It's fun, You know, it's whatever. And uh, that's led by the Ayala family. They're sitting right over here. And uh, all are welcome to these communities. They are the place where discipleship really starts to happen. The hope and the anticipation is that we need more of these in the future. I think if you're looking around the room, you're thinking, you said 12 to 15 and divided by three. Uh, math doesn't work. I didn't, prom- I didn't go to school for math. Not a surgeon, not a mathematician. But we're doing our best, our best with what we have. And our unapologetic hope and desire is that everybody who worships with us on a Sunday also worships in the context of community on a Wednesday or Thursday, and then any other day we get things started with in the future. If you want to connect with one of those, or at least be on a mailing list for one of those and get invites, You'll probably get someone reaching out to you because we've got a list of people in a database and we're just inviting. But also you can go to southsidemilton.org slash communities or you can email communities at southsidemilton.org. If you're here this morning and um, you actually feel like you're in a place where you're called and equipped to eventually lead a community, a table fellowship community here in Milton or surrounding area, you can use that email as well to reach out and we would love to get in contact with you. I just want to pray for our church, and then I want us to worship together one more time before we go from here to whatever God has for us this afternoon. Lord Jesus, it's, um, The moments that we've tasted your presence in our life are the reason why we're here today. I think the moments that we have sensed you, that we've heard from you in a very clear or unclear way, the moments that have shaped us in community, maybe it's one relationship and one reconciliation or one thing that we learned in the teaching somewhere or could be just little moments and they've, and they've shaped us in such a way that we're here present today and God I am I'm confident in or trusting you and your ways in the reality that um, being in, in real community with one another is going to provide so many more of those moments and those experiences that will shape us so much more and ultimately, God, we're here this morning to say we, we do as individuals and as a community desire to be shaped into your likeness. We want to model your ways. There's nothing else we're doing here other than together growing in your ways. You, you promise us that through faith that we have a new life from you and in you and that the work of your spirit is to form us into your likeness so that we can live the way you did 2,000 years ago in the way that you are today. Modeling a life of love and generosity, of kindness and goodness, of freedom from addiction and freedom from our flesh, living a life of serving this community and being a light through our attitudes and our postures and our gentleness and our kindness. You offer us a life of reconciliation with those who are close to us and then from their reconciliation with those in this broader community. And all this is on the basis of trusting in the truth of your gospel that all these things are promises to us because of the work that was done on the cross 2,000 years ago and then the work of the spirit of God in the body of Christ since then. We want to see Milton look like Heaven. And we want our own lives and our own homes and our own families and our own friendships to taste like heaven. So we're committed to that as a family here, Lord. And we're trusting you to lead us in that. In the name of Jesus, the king that we serve, whose kingdom it is that is being built, that has been built for 2,000 years and is continuing to be built today and into the future here in Milton. It's in that king's name, Jesus, that we do everything this morning. Amen.